Evolving into the next form. Yeah, we actually uh, don't have any microphones or anything plugged in. We're just communicating telepathically at this point. We're talking through two cans and a string. Yeah. <laughs> as, as it sounds like it too. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but, uh, but Brian, you know, we uh, we got to keep it going. I and to really reflect the, uh, I guess, the mundane nature of their time home. Now you have elected to select movies. That are in black and white. Yes. <laughs> the second. <laughs> this is the second team, second uh, quarantine pick that is uh, that is filmed in black and white, despite taking place in a time where color movie color filmmaking was absolutely a thing. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Was it? Is it? This was in '94. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, like, no. I mean, like, this the second black and white movie. Lighthouse. Oh, that's right. Yeah, oops. Totally, totally yeah. whipped on that one. That one. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it's, it's purely coincidental. But, uh, yeah, so you, tell, tell us about the, the let's, let's not waste any time, okay? No. Let's not dilly-dally, because no. I heard our fans hate that. They, they, yeah, they hate dilly. They, they, they don't mind dillying. They, they hate dallying. That's the don't one dally thing. On me. Don't yeah, don't we can't dally we can't dally. I, they won't even they won't even tolerate the dilly if we dally right after. I know but, it's uh, it's such a we we built up the trust of dillying. We yeah, built exactly. up that they trust need, of dallying. Trade them with the dallying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so th- so this week instead of letting Matt pick the one like either post-apocalyptic, pre-apocalyptic, like very heavily based uh, themed movie about isolation or something or a virus i decided (laughs) (laughs) lighthouses and then the train to busan um i decided to say like okay well how about a movie that i watched a lot when i was a little younger um it was a movie about from tim burton it was a it's actually it's actually a pretty good movie that nobody really talks about it's in his his early goes was like right after Batman, right after Beetlejuice, right before I think right before Edward Scissorhands. I'm not too sure. I got to check that out. But uh, yeah, this is right in his like his wheelhouse, man. This is right when he starts going, and uh, it's about you know that unheard story, uh, a white man in Hollywood with a dream. Uh, he just can't be stopped, and everybody goes out of their way to help him out. Just unheard yeah, of. Despite their best interests. Yeah, despite really like, any like, just undying loyalty from his from his friends, and the hatred of Sarah Jessica Parker. We, <laughs> we're gonna do this. Uh, this is 1994's from Tim Burton, Ed Wood, the story of yeah. real life director Ed Wood. Yeah, was this the uh, first movie that he had Johnny Depp in? 
That's what I'm thinking. I think it is. And they also, I think they won an award for it. They, he won two Oscars. Whoa. Best, well, it is a movie about Hollywood, so of course it's going to win Oscars. Yeah, it won, oh, it won Best Supporting Actor and Best Makeup. For, for Lugosi? Yeah. And Best Makeup, I guess. Well, because if you look at who plays, if you look at who plays Lugosi, uh, Martin Landau. Yeah, he is like a real ugly motherfucker. Really? No, he, he apparently he like it was. It's one of those things where they made a movie about Hollywood, so Hollywood's like, "Yep, okay, here you go." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's very it's very self serving to anybody who, um, yeah, to anybody involved in that. It, it, but yeah, it's it's. It is the it is a a movie about filmmaking. It's a movie about trying to make it. And it's a movie about staying persistent even when everyone tells you not to be. Yeah. <laughs> so it follows. I I didn't. So you know this kind of was kind of skewed my viewing of it is that I watched it not knowing Ed Wood was an actual director. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. So the yeah. whole time I'm just like, it had a the whole movie had a had a weird like, stranger than fiction. A vibe to it okay you know where um i'm watching it thinking like why why would that happen like what is the plot like what is the plot of this movie like what like what is what events are trying to happen now when you know until after when looking it up i was like oh this these aren't these aren't this isn't so much of a plot as much as it is just a retelling of things that happened to this person right you know and uh and so i was able to look at it through a different lens that way but I, w- I kind of wish I knew going in that I, I wish I looked something up and, and knew going in because then I might have looked at it from from that lens and I think enjoyed it more. Yeah, this like, is... I, I can definitely watch it and I, watching it regardless of, of the whatever pretense I thought coming in, I can tell the performances are great. Mm-hmm. You know, I can tell the cinematography is great. The, you know, the lighting, the, uh, you know, the wardrobe, like every, everything's like really cool. And it was definitely made with a lot of care and a lot of, you know, a lot of love, um, and like a lot of nuance that you don't really see out of Tim Burton anymore. No. Um, you know, or Johnny Depp anymore. No. Yeah, they both. Or SJP ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that so that was kind of cool. Um, but uh, the whole time I, it was, I was just thinking like this plot is not is not moving like in any discernible direction very quickly. And now I realize why that was, um, but I can totally, I could, I would, I would totally uh, not be surprised if critics loved this movie and uh, you know it won all the Oscars and all of that. Yeah, I mean they they did really, 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 really like this movie. It was <laughs> yeah, because it was you know the thing is it was the least weird movie that uh, Tim Burton has come out with. If you think about it, if you like, you look at all of his movies, like uh, compared Edward Scissorhands, uh, uh, obviously Beetlejuice and Batman and kind of every and Pee Wee's Pee Wee's Big uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, you know, and then yeah. Um, yeah, but then and everything. This is just about a normal guy doing a, kind of a normal thing in a normal place. Like that. That's all. That's all the movie is. It's just that, like this is like his only real normal movie where there's nothing like supernatural happening. There's nothing like yeah. <laughs> like Ed Wood's not. Yeah, I mean, the craziest thing is that Ed Wood might be a bit of a transvestite. Well, 
I guess back in 94, that was a bigger deal. And, and obviously, definitely in the 1950s. Right. Um, but yeah, that's that seems to be the, the gist of it. Yeah. Uh, th- that is when this takes place, right? The 50s? Uh, yeah, it takes place, I think, early 50s. Yeah, yeah so obviously those things were you know, taboo and not at all. Was Ed Wood actually a cross-dresser? Uh, yeah. No, that's all real. Yeah, I... I mean, obviously, I know certain things were dramatized for the sake of a movie, um, but I, I figured, yeah, I figured at least that would be real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Plan 9 came out in 1959, so it was before the 60s, so everything was leading up to the 60s. The 60s, got it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for, first of all, I, I gotta say um, that whatever... Like, this movie, I think, justifies Tim Burton using Johnny Depp in every movie he makes for the next, like, 30 years. <laughs> you know? It's, it's been 26 years since this movie... Uh, 26? 26 years yeah. since this movie came out. And he... You know, all the times that he throws Johnny Depp and everything, and you're just like, Jesus Christ, how many times can... How many times can they, like, come in and play the same character? This movie justifies it. As, as you can see whatever... Um, whatever chemistry they have is very apparent here between director and actor. You can tell that the, that, that Johnny Depp is really, uh, you know, going going off and committing to and and this character that you know Tim Burton has written very well. And and whereas like in his future films, it kind of seems like like oh we're just gonna write this this uh, this part for Johnny Depp. Right. So, you know, you know, like like it's a Johnny like, Depp uh, type. You know, it's a. Yeah, if you look at, like, Tim Burton's other movies, and, like, uh, I mean, maybe Edward Scissorhands, you know, you can look back and be like, yeah, it's obviously Johnny Depp, but well, actually, the Chocolate I... Factory just played for Johnny Depp. Sweet yeah. Depp, Todd is just Johnny Depp. You know, Dark Souls, is just, Dark Shadows, I mean, it's just Johnny Depp. Sleepy Hollow is just Johnny Depp. Mm. Like, these movies don't require more, anything other than just Johnny Depp, be, like, being himself. Right. Just being there, you know? Um Whereas Ed Wood is almost refreshing to see him act as somebody that's not just Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to make a correction. Uh, Edward Scissorhands came out before Ed Wood. Oh, Edward Scissorhands wow. came out in 1990, surprisingly. Oh, okay. which I, I thought it came out much well, later. That's what I was saying about Edward Scissorhands. That maybe I'm looking back right. and being like, oh, that was so Johnny Depp before he was actually Johnny Depp doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Edward Scissorhands is 1990, so not, not that one. Yeah, but you know, for a lot of his other ones, no, yeah, you know, exactly, yeah. He, uh, I, I think they, they both kind of understand, and they both like. I think I definitely think early on Johnny Depp kind of used Tim Burton as a way to break the mold. He, they, Hollywood was trying to put him in with this like heartthrob, good-looking dude, you know, and then he like kind of is like maybe one-dimensional, but then mm-hmm. uh, he, he works with Tim Burton, and it's like this, you know, this dark complex multi-layered character where he may do he may not fit a certain mold and he doesn't have to his appearance doesn't have to be you know you know crafted to be perfect he could be kind of a slick back guy with uh, false teeth and you know just the dopest sunglasses yeah <laughs> he definitely did look really cool mm-hmm. in this movie like the hair you know the the outfits, the the male and female, the big and billowy uh, like, pants. Yeah, <laughs> like definitely, you know, he was rocking it. So I I, I get that. They really made the 
the 50s like looked cool um but I, I was also pleasantly surprised at Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. You know, um, I, I love that they called her a horse even in 1994. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, she, she, I, she definitely wasn't hateable. Like from her, her character's direction, like I totally understand everything she was coming, everywhere she was coming from, you know? Oh yeah. Um, 100%. So he gives her part to that broke actress, you know? <laughs> Um, like, yeah, like, she, I liked, I also liked how they kind of, like, they, they did a simple transition for her, where, like, she starts off wearing all white, and then when mm-hmm. they, when you know their relationship's having trouble, she starts wearing black, a little bit more, like, like, uh, conflicted colors, like, there was a, she was wearing gray, and then black and white, and then, like, so you could tell, like, alright, everything is not great with her, because also they're, they're not using color, so that, like, the lighting is also like very dramatic in this, so it yeah. it, it plays super hard on, on it. And ooh, I mean, I, I I really like this is a movie I I kind of found when I was I didn't find it in '94. I didn't see it when I was like that young. I found it when I uh, was going to like film classes. So obviously, yeah, I was about to say this movie's got to be huge for anyone looking to go into film. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like. Because it looks like you could do it. It looks like you could, like, cheaply do it. Like, if you have the right, like, camera, like, oh, I could do black and white. Like, I could do this, this like, kind of kind of looks like um, in-the-room lighting, even though it's yeah. even though it's probably, like, scientifically crafted to be perfect. For sure. I'm um, so actually, uh, so I, I, I completely understand why people get that impression from watching the movie. Because it does show him, uh, you know, failing to, uh, uh, it does show him failing, like failing over and over. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that keeps him going is his love for movies, his mm-hmm. love for what he does, you know. And it, it kind of gives the message that if you are, if you really like what you do, you know, regardless of what it is, but in this case Hollywood, you know, um, if you really love what you do, then it doesn't matter what anyone else says. You can do it. Yeah. And, uh, but then I feel like the after credits kind of cut that out right underneath, right? <laughs> cut everything right under him, you know, where he became an alcoholic. He never achieved success. He, you know, died when he, he was 50, you know, yeah. and his wife, like, stayed with him through all of it. Like, I don't know. That doesn't sound like that kind of puts a, you know, it kind of dampens that. that right. Message, it, it, it? It's like you find out at the end, like, Luke Skywalker was Darth Vader this whole time. It's like, yeah, he, like he did some real shitty thing, like being a drunk and like, and then like kind of uh, putting his new his wife through that. It's like, oh, that's a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah, you know, and, and like he, he ended up just making like monster porn. Yeah, like, he made like softcore to... porn up until like yeah. he died. So it's like, this, it, 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 all all the inspiration that the movie gives, I feel like. Like, I mean, the reality kind of crushes it. Yeah. Which is, you know, what the opposite of what the movie's trying to say. <laughs> yeah, this whole movie, this whole movie, it's like, just follow your dreams. Don't compromise on your dreams. Just keep on pushing through. And it's just like, well, Hollywood will win in the end. Yeah, like, just be <laughs> like this guy, push through, do, do whatever it takes, uh, but you won't make it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, or maybe it's saying that, you know, 
making it, quote unquote, isn't the goal. Um, you know, or being successful like, isn't the goal. Just making it is the making a movie is the goal. Yeah, right. Like, do it because you love it. Don't do it for success. Like, uh, and would never. Uh, I wouldn't say he was. I mean, no. I still. Wouldn't, I wouldn't say he was successful. No. Even even after Tim Burton made a movie about him, I wouldn't say he was successful. You know, like well, he has kind of like this is the equivalent of like the room. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of that there's a lot of vibe in that like where you get like especially like the disaster artist like it's definitely like yeah this is Tim Burton's disaster artist where like he right. he was a fan of a movie and he's like I'll make a movie kind of like the old Hollywood like the the old B movies where there's a monster there's a you know this kind of like everything in this movie did feel like a B movie after a while like when they started when they started producing a movie. That's when they're like doing like real like like stealing uh, an octopus to, like kind of you know they had they had these like weird kind of like segments where it's like oh like this that's like a B movie yeah but uh, I told you a few times about um, about the, a movie that I I talk about it a few times on on the show Living in Oblivion yes or just Oblivion I think I think it's Living in Oblivion with Steve uh, did, did you end up seeing it not yet I still gotta. I have to find it. Funny because that that was actually from '95, um, but it, you know it's a, it's the same thing. It's a movie about a struggling director trying to make a movie. You know, it decided to go in color, which is nice. Uh, it's Steve Buscemi does a great job. Uh, I'm trying to think like who directed it, but Tom DeCillo, DeCillo, Tom DeCillo. Yeah, Tom DeCillo. Um, but it's like the same the same idea that making a movie is so difficult because there are so many external factors as far as, like, production, actors, like, studios, like, budget. Every, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Right. And, uh, and But this movie, I think, adds a little more to that story. Um, whereas, so Living in Oblivion takes place over the course of one um one shoot mm-hmm. of like of, of the guy just trying to shoot one movie so it's not so much a character study as this as Ed Wood is right and uh and it, it's just a kind of a guy trying to put out fires so I think Planet Nine if you were to uh make a whole movie just about Planet Nine it would end up it would look a lot like Living in Oblivion right you know and uh but the message is but the message there is just that you know it's uh it's a work with what you got, you know, is yeah. that you're not going to, you know, like a, it doesn't matter if you have a, a great budget. It doesn't matter if you have, uh, you know, if you have all, all your actors are work or you know, hardworking and, and take, and take direction. Well, none of that at the end of the day, those are all nice to have, right. but all you, all you really need is persistence and uh, to hold on to your vision. Right. And then you compromise where you have to and, you know, and you may, and you get it done. Yeah, it would is a little diff is a little different than that. It kind of seems like they blow up. right by it though, like like get this, yeah. especially during like the Plan Nine making, where it's like he's he's frustrated at first, and then it's like okay, snap right through, we're good. <laughs> well, the conversation with Orson Welles, I think, is what is what is played by a young by. Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was it really Vincent mm-hmm. D'Onofrio? Mm-hmm. That's fucking awesome. I yep. love Vincent D'Onofrio. That's not his voice though. It's someone else. It's he's got dubbed. 
Right, for someone that sounds more like Orson more, Welles. Yeah. Which is funny, because I feel like the Kingpin sounds a little bit like Orson Welles. <laughs> but I guess he's older, he has a little better voice control. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, my I'm saying, uh, like, his thing is more, you realize, you realize later on that a lot of the reasons Edward's movies didn't work out, um, you know, you, you have to, you started, you, you go in there and you're thinking like, all right, well, maybe he's just not, maybe he's just not good, you know? <laughs> but when Orson Welles mentions like, you know, Citizen Kane, everyone hated it, but, you know, it, they never touched it. They didn't touch, nobody touched it. So it was mine. Right. And that's what ended up making it successful. Um, I saw Citizen Kane on a plane and it was okay, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> like, I, I don't Do you know. also I think that, like, seeing Citizen Kane now is like the is like basically looking at like cave paintings it's like I get it it's like I've seen better yeah it's like his lighting isn't great you know like... <laughs> <laughs> could you use some CGI in that scene you know hey. <laughs> yeah it just seems like anybody who like loves it at face value now is I feel like just trying to be pretentious. You know? Yeah, it, it's it's like it's it's like a tough sell. It's like when someone says like, "Oh yeah, like I just saw Citizen Kane and I fucking loved it." Like, no, no, you don't. Yeah, like yeah. how could you love it? Yeah, you know, like what what did you love about it? You yeah, know? it's you Rosebud, bro- you get it, you <laughs> get Rosebud. Like, yeah, come on. everyone knows what it's 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 like <laughs> how you see now. It's like when you you said it even before on a couple of shows. It's like it's reading Dracula after years of seeing vampire movies. It's like you know yeah. all the tropes. You know everything. You know Rosebud's about his, his fucking sled. You know all this yeah. and like everything that was once innovative and creative back then when Orson Welles did it. Now it's like, oh, I've seen Spielberg do it. I've seen the, you know this guy do it. I've seen this guy do it. And like it just doesn't. It, what I'm, am I gonna sit and watch Citizen Kane or am I gonna sit and watch like Goodfellas? Like you know, kind of yeah. you kind of like yeah. And it, it's kind of a thing where you have to be. It's great for people who want to learn how to do movies. Yeah. You know, it's like a great instruction manual. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if, but like the average person would never like have fun reading an instruction manual. You know, <laughs> like, if, you know, if, if I was a carpenter and I got a new, like, I got a new drill. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit, this is awesome. Like this drill, it could do anything. I got to, I got to read the instructions and learn how to do it. Right. That's Citizen Kane. But if me... Like somebody who you know has no intention of doing any kind of woodwork in the next few months would have just I would never just pick up an, a, an instruction manual for a drill and enjoy reading it. But that's what Citizen Kane. That's how yeah. I feel about Citizen Kane. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, uh, also like now, if you th- if you think about it, it's kind of funny. Like how Citizen Kane and and Ed Wood movies, like they had to work off film. Like how much film they had. They like, like they weren't even saying that. Like oh, like don't you want to like. They just kind of like fly through everything there. They don't like do double takes. They don't, you know, shoot for protection. Like they kind of just. See, that is, I think, is just bad directing, though. Exactly. I think Edward was also just bad at making a movie. Yeah. Because a lot yeah. of his stuff is just, <laughs> you know, like you, you kind of like go, like you kind of, you you get on, you you buy into his energy, you buy into his charisma, but then you like start looking around, it's like, oh, that is that's rough. Questionable like, choices. Like yeah. do another take, just one more time. Yeah. But like, but now, like how you were saying, like if you buy a drill, like you know, what am I gonna read the instruction manual? It's like, but uh, but filmmaking now is like, well, I have my cell phone, so I don't have to really bother anybody to make a move. Like I don't have to 
really go out and hunt to make a movie. I have everything I need right here. Like I'll, I, I'll just get actors and maybe extra a couple of equi- pieces of equipment. But it's such like a different world of filmmaking now, where like now, like now, if you hear like somebody makes a movie on film, you go like, "Ooh, that's that's something. That's special. That's a thing." Yeah, well, thirty-five millimeter. Ooh, baby. <laughs> Ed Wood would definitely make movies on his phone. Yeah, and they would still be bad. Well, yeah, but, you know, it's funny because there's a place for those now. Right, you know? and he's, he was one of the first, like, cult, uh, like, the, he, he became a cult movie guy. Like, that, like that's all, like, his movies right. hit that status. It's like, you know, they're definitely not good or appreciated. I'm throwing them air quotes. I'm, I'm pretty sure Plan 9 is still bad no matter how you, what generation you watch it in. Right. Under what kind of lens exactly, you try to yeah. watch it under. And, like, uh, I'm, pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's still bad. And, you know, people, wa- people watch it because it's probably, like, kitschy. It's probably, like, oh, like, look how funny it is. Like, they're making... They have flying saucers made out of, like, styrofoam plates. They're, you know... Yeah. Um, what... What's cool is that they made that they made that uh, mini of Hollywood, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, there's actually miniatures used in this movie. Um, oh, yeah, um, yeah. Oh wow! Like they like they that ending that scene, cool. that ending where they leave, leave the Pantages and they go over Hollywood. That's yeah. the That's a miniature. I figured it. Was, I figured it was. But like I was like, oh, it's a really nice transition. Yeah. Um, but that is the miniature from Plan Nine. Uh, well, no, it's it's the miniature that Tim Burton had his had his boys make, <laughs> like oh. his, his Beetlejuice <laughs> boys. Like, like oh, they're doing this better. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's cool. That's cool. Um, but I don't think Plan Nine was successful in the fifties, was it? No, none of his. So, m- what is the premiere? That the premiere that he went to seemed like. A dreamlike sequence, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the whole thing. Like it, everything kind of like, well, it's also like in the disasters where like when the when the room came out, all everybody like packed the the theaters to see it. It's like no, mm-hmm. that didn't happen until much later on. I think that's true. Yeah. I think that's. I think this is what he wanted. Maybe the spirit of Ed Wood to see, like that that people do appreciate his work. People do, you know. Uh, you know, they they do love everything that he did. It just took until he died to to uh, appreciate it. But my thing is, why does Tim Burton love Edward so much? I mean, it's come on, it's Tim Burton. Yeah, he's a weirdo. He's a weirdo. Yeah. I I think it's also because like not only because he's a, he's a bit of a weirdo. I think it's because it's you know here's this guy who's uh I think they I think they share a lot of the same similarities stories like they they both kind of like out there on their own you know they they have an eye for something that people don't generally think of the nor- like the normal thing like if people want like especially in 1990 people want him to make Batman in 1994 he's coming off I think Batman returns so this is just like kind of like a, a this might be a vanity project <laughs> I mean, I get, I kind of get the connection with uh, Ed Wood making uh, Glenn and Glenda. Right. And him like being like, you know, I, I can relate to this on a personal level because I too have this, this, this other, you know, this bit of expression that I'm afraid to, to put out there. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely see um, Tim Burton has that too. Like right. this, 
niche kind of uh, creative you know area of his brain that just comes out in a way that people are, are were not used to seeing at the time you know and so I totally understand why he would uh, why he would relate to that yeah you know? uh, but you know this he must have done a ton of research to kind of know enough about and would to this, this director who never who never became successful yeah he must have done a ton of research to know about enough about his life to really extract this this story out of it you know mm. it's a ton of research that he must have done and somebody that's probably not very not the easiest to do research on yeah it it does it's a very like niche project to like do like yeah it, it'd be like if you did yeah if you if if you base your entire dentistry like career off, you know, some guy who like the like the ice cream man who said, "Hey man, smile." Like that's <laughs> like it's kind of like the small sample size for such a big project. Yeah, exactly. And all you have to go off of are his movies, which you know are terrible. Yeah. So. <laughs> and also, I think the, he I had to know. get the film. Like he had to get the film canisters for them. Because I don't think there was that. No one was out there going like, "Oh, we gotta put this on VHS." We like get yeah. the Ed Wood collection on VHS right now. <laughs> yeah, I doubt that. Uh, no, it's 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 you know, interesting, interesting uh, choice to to make this movie on. Uh, and I definitely see how Tim the the many ways that Tim Burton could be, you know, referring. Uh, I guess being self self referential. Yeah. In the uh, in the process. What did you think of Bela Lugosi and his whole his whole story? I, for I mean, I love doped up Bela Lugosi in this. Anytime doped up Bela Lugosi was on the screen, I was like, oh, now the party started. Um, it's on the killer monologue. Yeah, he's like, all right, let's get this shit. Let's shoot this fucker. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think Martin Landau did such an amazing job as Bela Lugosi. Like you kind of you kind of. He was played as a like a, as a monster, as like someone who you think is this terrible person, actually is you know hurting and lonely and and dying, and I think he captured every like and even he's even scary at some points with this lighting, like when he had the gun, like that was terrifying, mm-hmm. and then you could see the fear in his eyes, you could see everything, you could, like it's a, it was such a great performance, which I understand why he won Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, for sure. Um... I also like the this the story that is his story of uh, I guess an actor who took success for granted, mm. you know, and and uh, you know when he, he was and I think the, the the thing that stands out to me the most was the um, was the scene where he is uh, with the octopus fighting when he's when he's doped up to to fight the octopus. And yeah. like under his breath, he just like goes, uh, you know, they, they, they I didn't want, I did, I could have, I could have been Frankenstein after I was Dracula, right? But I said no because I thought it was beneath me, and <laughs> and now he's now fighting an octopus <laughs> by myself. <laughs> and it's it's funny, but it's also like that that sounds for me like that's when I was like, all right, I get his character, yeah, I get everything about him, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that was that was such a moment because also then it when you see him wrestle with the uh, the octopus, it wasn't like he was like, oh no, an octopus. He went 
full hog on that fucking thing. Yeah, and I think that's what uh, that's what Edward values when yeah. you when you're watching. He's like, all right, as long as as long as the actor's committing, I I love it. You well, know? also he and he doesn't actually care about the things that would make us seem good. You know? Yeah, he also straight up believed in everybody. Like he's like, you're you're a great actor. You you know don't don't care what review like what the reviewers say. It's like you you commit like. And you and he makes you he kind of made people buy into it, like and then yeah, like, yeah. like and that's Don't what I'm saying. Like, and he was loyal to them too. It looked like like he go, um, he like he wouldn't turn away from anybody, except Dolores. Yeah, well, <laughs> she threw a frying pan out of his head. <laughs> well, that was after he gave her part to a random chick. Oh man! But no, his his loyalty to to Lugosi was was really cool to see. It was admirable, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and and it, it that's what made him likable. Yeah. You know? The only thing that, that made him likable was how much he cared for Lugosi. Yeah. And how much he cared for making movies, his persistence. You know, he he never he was only really like down, quote unquote, for like a minute when the Baptists were trying to change Plan Nine. You know? Yeah. That was the only time it really got to him. Otherwise he was just ridiculously optimistic. He was like a he was a ball of energy that would not be stopped. Like no matter what yeah. happened. Like he, yeah. yeah, and his optimism was infectious. I think that's what kept bringing his crew of misfits back in. Yeah, know? like every time Lugosi was like, "Look, I don't think I uh, this. I can't do this. Like, the, I'm I'm too old for this. I'm mm-hmm. not. I can't remember the lines. Like, I don't have it anymore." Right. And it, it's always like I'd be like, "Look, you know, like forget that. You know, the next one will be better. You know, the next one." Like the lines will be better. Like you'll you'll get a little more time. Like it, it will make it work, you know. And and, and you know and, and he'll get them to keep trucking on. Mm-hmm. The thing is, you know, and, and that's that's like I guess the admirable part, you know. Yeah. Like oh, you know, look at that. It, you you can you can inspire people with with your positivity. But on the downside is, they never really actually got anything good out of them. You know? <laughs> and uh, and that might have been that also like his. It, like his his big a strong suit is how positive he was and how loyal he was, but also his downside was that he also promised these people roles when they were not actors, and they yeah, or they exactly. were not good actors. Well, that's the, that's the struggle of a filmmaker, and I, and I think that's probably something that still happens today, even on like big budget movies, where at the end of the day, it's the people with the money right. that try to get getting involved in the creative process that costs. That cost the uh, directors the film they want to make. So, for example, the girl that he like he brought her in thinking she could pay for it, and then she couldn't. Right. Or the the guys that you know, I think that one of the this guy he always got, he like put money in a in for one of the movies, but he wanted his son to be the lead. You know, like <laughs> stupid shit. Like, and the son, of course, wasn't an actor; he couldn't act. No. Um, and even, but you know, it's. It's shit like that. You know? I love that every but, time uh, you every time you saw him was he said the same line over and over again where it's like I want you to stay away from that castle. <laughs> like even at the scene they weren't even shooting, he's sitting at like at the octopus scene. He's like I want you to stay away from. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Just trying to figure it out. Just trying to get it done. Um. But yeah, that's uh. It, it's it's admirable, but at the same time. Like I can't, I can't help but, you know, remember that it never worked. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it never actually 
So, you know, so it's, it's, I get why it's supposed to be inspiring, but, uh, oh, here's a, you here's... Never re- if he attained cult status, then cool. Right. You know, then that's, then that's cool too. Then that's kind of the same feel as the disaster artist, you know? I also feel like um, this is one of these movies that, like, they were like, they never were like, if I don't get this movie made, I'm in financial ruin. It's more of just like, yeah, I'm poor. Yeah. I'm already poor. What's the worst that could happen? I get poorer? They it's never... true. And he's still riding around a convertible. Yeah. You know? Still going out to dinner with his girl. Yeah, still hitting so up the brown the derby. <laughs> yeah, like he's, he never seemed like he, he was struggling, struggling. Right. You know? His girl always held it down uh, for him. Like, Well, the his, his uh, was it Kathy? The one he met at the rehab center. Just seemed like she was down from day one, so. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean. Suspiciously so. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, he did meet, like, these really kind of, he he had a collection of misfits. Like, he would, like, that, like, his, his group, and even, like, Vampira, which I was, I was trying to be like, what did she get fired for? And then I stopped the, I went back and I checked, the, like, the news clipping. She was a, she was apparently a communist, so. Oh, the red scare. It's because that, like, it always kind of threw me, like, why would... Because it does seem kind of like out of nowhere and seems a little bit bitchy that Kathy would be like, you know, Eddie doesn't judge people. And it's like, well, what is, what is that? Like, that kind of, like, that doesn't seem... Blackball. Yeah. Oh, shit. And then, then when you see, like, she was, you know, fired because of, you know, the Red Scare and everything like that. Because that was going on in Hollywood at the time. Absolutely. And when he hired her, it's just... like, And now you see, like, it wasn't like this whole, I think, like, bitch, you gotta work. It was more like... You know, he has your back, like he, like you kind of owe him. You know, it's it's a it's, yeah. a it's a different it's a different take on that line. Wow, that's pretty cool, and, and I guess that is that is something that makes the movie actually pretty progressive. Is that he would take people that you know really uh, he was accepting of everyone because he himself knew that he 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 needed yeah. he needed to be accepted. Yeah, you know, he had a, he struggled with being accepted, so uh, he was more likely to accept others, and that was that was nice to see too. Yeah, you know? no, yeah, um, yeah, because he had like he was yeah, because his uh his his desire to dress in women's clothes, uh, if he didn't accept people, and like you said, no one would accept him. So how could he, you know, be the like? Because then and also everybody like loved him, <laughs> like they like. So like it just it seemed like this guy just is kind of genuine and like he like like nothing you could do could shake his confidence in you. I mean probably murder yeah. probably murder would be one of the things, but we never got to that point in the movie. <laughs> yeah, not really. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you know what? Uh, uh, what are you? What are you gonna do? So you? So you? I, I'm trying to like. Because I appreciate the movie. Right. You know, I, you know, I, I definitely admire everything that went into it. I can see the the quality of the product that was put out. But watching it, it, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't that fun to watch. No? You know? Like, I, I didn't find, like, there, again, there were plenty of times where I'm just like, this guy is just going about his day. Like, what is... Like what? Like like when is this gonna pick up? You know, and 
I think maybe because I was watching a biopic, not realizing I was watching a biopic, <laughs> that probably had a lot to do with it. Did Bill yeah. Murray not sell it for um, you at all? He wasn't in it enough. <laughs> but every time Everything he was in it, he was great. Awesome, but he wasn't in it enough. That Bunny Beckenridge was so fucking funny every time he was on the screen. <laughs> like when do they were, you, when they were baptizing him. When they were baptizing, <laughs> do you re, do you reject Satan? Sure. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. <laughs> or uh, when he's he, they're at the wrestling uh, the wrestling show and he's like, mm-hmm. "I'm going to Mexico. I'm gonna." <laughs> and the person next to him sold it even more because you see the guys like kind of like peeking over. He's like, "What is this guy saying?" Yeah, like what the fuck? <laughs> and then afterwards, it was even funnier. It was like, "Well, you know, we were robbed as soon as we landed." The surgeon was a quack. You know, everything was terrible. There was a car accident. <laughs> he died. And I was saved so, by I, these these wonderful gentlemen. It's a mariachi band. Yeah. That are playing the background music for the scene. <laughs> like, that, that, like, that was kind that of... That was funny. That was really funny. Like, and then in a Tim Burton movie, you don't expect to see that kind of, like, comedy. Like, there was, right. there was nothing that funny. Every was on the screen, I was like, good time. Yeah. I, I, I do think that, like, yeah... I think that you gotta, like, yeah, this is tough, because there is not really too much of a struggle, that, like, the character arc was, he wants to make a movie, and then he made a movie, that's it, that's really, that's really yeah. all it is. And his character never changed, no. he was static throughout, Yeah. Yeah. always optimistic, always, you know, looking for the next break. And know? then he got his and way at the end, a... he always got his he way, left. he always got his way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Dolores was the only one that left him, and then he like found a new girl like two scenes later. Yeah. You know? And even and even like rejection was like because he he did everything just rolled off his back. You never like I never like felt or felt the rejection for him. Right. You know? Because he never he didn't feel it. You know. Um. So maybe that's why I definitely admire his optimism, but it's hard to be engaged when the character is not being affected by anything. Would you would you have liked this... at the very end? Oh, sorry, sorry. I was gonna say, would you have liked to see a scene where he's like maybe standing over a bathroom sink and's like, "You gotta stay up, Eddie. You gotta stay up." <laughs> well, I enjoyed when when SJP kept like getting him in, getting getting him back into. He would be a little down, and he'd like read a review or when somebody would reject him, and she's like, "Well, look, you know, if they're not gonna do it, you just gotta do it yourself or something." Right. And that would like take him in a new direction. You know, and so like that's that was that was like a little more fun to watch or a little more entertaining. But when it's just kind of like, uh, oh, this person turned me down, I'll, I'll just do the same thing on someone else. You know, right. it was like kind of like oh, once again, like it, it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I mean, it, like, like it up was, until like, he was like, until the the meat packing party, which made me really like, especially nowadays, you go like, oh, that's how how we used to treat meat and. <laughs> we we've taken and it's taken this long to get a, like a pandemic like it's it doesn't, it doesn't seem good but uh but up until like everyone's kind of accepted his uh cross-dressing everyone's accepted his secret it, and then at that point when she's like oh you know you guys are all freaks and everything but it's like he didn't struggle to come out to the crew he didn't struggle to come out to even the producers like or or friends because you know, she was the only one that had a problem. And he even said, like, you're the only one that has a problem with it. Like, like what's the deal? Mm-hmm. But it, it never really kind of... It, it never really... He never really had that, like... 
coming out moment, I guess. I don't want to, like, cheapen the the act of coming out to people because it's it's such a big it's such a big thing but he never had that moment of like uh you know uh he has like th- this is the 1950s like and this is different everyone kind of like shook it off like oh yeah yeah i knew that oh, that's cool yeah i mean but he also i think of who it is that he's like coming out to right like everyone on the uh, everyone in his movies were incredibly weird in their own way it was pretty much a carnival yeah it was was like a carny crew um so you know but you know i think i think the argument that he got into with sjp when he first came out i think that was pretty uh that was pretty um that was pretty much what you would expect yeah she was she was great in that the movie producer laughing at him too uh when he saw the film like oh it's got to be a joke you know like that you know I think that was, uh, yeah, I, you never really, but even, but like when, when, when the guy, when he called him, he was like, Hey, what do you think? The guy didn't, the guy was like, Oh, it was a terrible movie, but he, yeah, you're right. He didn't really address that. Did he? Yeah. Like also like it would have been something if he laughed at him to his face compared to laughed at him behind yeah, his back. Right. Right. Cause it, yeah. So he didn't really have to deal with that. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So he didn't have to like see, yeah, he didn't have to see the rejection. He, he didn't have to like sit in it. He had to, he just got it like, Oh yeah, this is bad. And that's, I right. think that's why he bounced back so quick. No. But I could see, you know, but the thing is, I think because it was just a part of who he was, mm-hmm. you know, and like, I think Tim Burton didn't want to emphasize it too much because he didn't want to define Ed Wood as just like, oh, he's a cross-dressing director. He was like more than that yeah. or, you know, maybe less than that. But he, but like, he didn't, he just didn't want it to be defined by like one quirk that he had. Right. You know, which, uh, which I think is pretty progressive. Um, <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's pretty nice. I don't think anyone... I don't think anyone should be defined by how they dress. Right. You know. Um, yeah, you're more than one thing. You're 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 many things. Yeah, he is a transvestite, but he's also a bad director. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but he's a good favorite. he's a good guy, a snappy dresser, and a terrible director. Yeah. <laughs> Those. Yeah. Sure. A good friend. And a good yeah, a really good friend. Good friend. Um. <sighs> okay, so we're about forty six minutes in. Um. I don't want to. I don't want to tempt fate with our setup right now. We're like, we're oh, sure. we're hanging on. So uh, if you want to give a a grade on this bad boy, uh, just cut more work ahead. Yeah. Um, we got a good thing I, going. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I. It's tough because I'm gonna try to balance my appreciation for the movie with my lesser enjoyment of the movie. Okay. And I, you know, and because I, I didn't enjoy watching it, but I know that it's a good movie. I think I'm going to lean, uh, I'm going to kind of balance out around a seven. Okay. Oh, wow. That's high. That's good. It's high. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like I know it's, I'm watching and I know this is a good movie. Right. You know, but the fact that I just didn't enjoy, would I watch it again? Probably not. So six and a half, seven, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I'd rather watch an average Marvel movie than Ed Wood. Oh, you'd rather watch Ant-Man than Ed Wood. Did we give Ant-Man a 7? I think so. I think we gave Ant-Man a 6. 6, yeah. Yeah. I, I, would, I would... If it was Ant-Man or Edward, I'd be torn. Yeah. But if it was like, you know, uh, Iron Man or Edward, or what's an average Marvel movie? Uh, Thor 1? I might watch Edward instead of Thor 1. Okay. 
Or they, I, I put them around the same. Avengers so, yeah, 2? So, so six and a half, seven. So six, six and a half, seven. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say Captain Marvel. That's pretty average. Yeah, I put them around the same as well. Yeah. Uh, I do yeah. I do six and a half, seven, leaning closer towards seven. Um, mm. You know, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie when I first saw it. Obviously, it was in that whole, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a film student. I know the suffering of this. So, like... <laughs> and now, and now when I'm older, it's just I still enjoy it. I think it's really funny. I think because it, it's it's light. It's not like ultra depressing, and yeah. you know, and the and the way it's shot and lit is like so fantastic. Like we didn't really discuss it much, but the lighting in this was, I mean, I said it before, it was like very dramatic. It's just unreal how well this movie is lit in a black and white sit, uh, uh, movie. It's just. There's there's so much to, to to enjoy if you like film. This is, and also like also like the smaller things too. In it. So yeah, I'm around a six and a half seven as well. So we'll call it six and a half. Cool. All right, cool. Yep. Uh, let's, let's round out ten. So, <laughs> so uh, Avengers two. You know what, brother? I think I think that's the shoot for it, bro. That is. All right. So, uh, guys, uh, thanks so much for listening. You know, uh, thanks for, for, for filling your, your extra time with, uh, with the Movie Mayhem podcast. You know, as always, you can hit us up on Twitter at Movie Mayhem Pod. On Instagram at Movie Mayhem Podcast. Uh, you can email us, Movie Mayhem Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, you could, you could buy some stuff at tpublic.com backslash Movie Mayhem Podcast. I'm sorry. Uh. We'll leave that up to you. Yeah, we'll leave that up to you. I mean, I'm not, we don't, we don't. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's up to you. Um, what was it this week? This week's middle middle of the week episode. The uh, the conversation with is uh, Nick Landy of the Landy Lodge. Mm. I got him on. Uh, I never realized what of a what a patient man he is until my laptop kept on cutting out. <laughs> so like it kind of like four, it cut out four times in the in the episode, and I I, oh, no. I really let the the intro have it. I was like, oh, it was like this no. fucking thing, like, but uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a really good dude. Um, he was, you know, it was so nice of him to come on, and uh, yeah, so that'll be up on Wednesday. This is up today. Awesome. <laughs> but That's uh, good stuff, man. How how have you been doing, man? How you been holding up? Uh, I've been managing. I got two big uh, big twenty four hour shifts coming up uh next week, so. Uh, not looking forward to those, but uh, other than that, you know, I, I'm managing. Not okay. a big deal. Yeah. How about you? Um, you know, I'm holding it together, man. Like, I'm not. The, I don't have 24-hour shifts coming up, but you know. So, yeah, Labor Day. Yeah. I'm mean, sorry, Memorial Day. Memorial Day. Day yeah. Is, uh, uh, my birthday's on Friday. Oh cool. damn. Yeah, but you know, usually my birthday, I, I, I it's a big deal. Everybody comes out everybody's like oh it's matt's birthday it's the best day of the year (laughs) we marked our calendars down for this yeah you know i'm I'm taking off work i'm leaving my girlfriend like we're doing we're all we're all gonna go for matt's birthday (laughs) so not having that i'm sure a lot of people are disappointed but you know (laughs) uh we'll we'll try to to try to make up for it when we come back in i've i've uh, been talking to my friend mike uh flanagan and we kept on talking Mm -hmm. about like next year st patty's day which I've been calling Saint Ooh. Saint Doubles Day because you got to double everything up. 
So I think everyone's everyone's gonna have that opportunity to double up whatever they got going on. The economy's gonna surge next year. Yeah, one day it's gonna be like, wow, all that booze went. Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> we're back. We're back, baby. Um, it's it's funny. I, I I was thinking about that the other day. How badly bars must be. Uh, you know, bar owners must be struggling. Yeah, I mean, if they have a shitty bar, yeah. But, but but if they have yeah, food, bar is like closed. Yeah, I think I think they get do that. Like, I I think they'll be fine. I mean, they just well, you know, like I said, when, when, like we're talking about once once it opens back up, everyone's gonna be going everywhere. Yeah, there's gonna be people flooding places. It's mm-hmm. gonna be absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. But not uh, me. No. Because I don't do that anyway, but um, I'm gonna, I don't go anywhere anyway. I'm going to wait a little like while. I'm, I'm going to be a little too hesitant. I'm, I'm going to be a little too hesitant uh, <laughs> to go into big groups just just yet. Yeah. You know? No, I completely understand. Completely understand. Completely understand. Got to give it a... Yeah, I contribute very little uh, to society <laughs> as it is outside of my job, so I'm just going to keep that going. <laughs> just going to keep on ordering food off uh, DoorDash and Grubhub. I mean, they're not going out of business anytime soon. Yeah, the guy's going to be like, are you sure I can't just walk it up to you? Like, we don't have to do this anymore. I'm like, no, just leave it there. Just put, on the, put on the hood of my car, and I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, all right. All right, guys. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, talk to you all later. Yeah, we'll so. see you next week, I guess. All right, bye. <laughs> okay.